to Death, Lies, and Alibis. I'm your host, Christy, and my co-host today is my mother, Georgina, and this is the podcast that dives deep into the dark and eerie world of local cold cases. Hello, Georgina, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Christy, for having me, and I'm glad to be here today. Now, Georgina, you're on our Facebook group also, and you're one of our admin, which that basically means you're my other brain. Mom, I'm serious. You're there, always there for us, and we do appreciate what you do, and we appreciate your work. Thank you, Christy. And we do it for justice, right? Right. Okay, folks, picture this. A small, lovely town nestled in the heart of Ohio. It's bustling with tight-knit neighborhoods, friendly faces, and a sense of security that you'd expect from any small town. But beneath that idyllic surface lies a hidden darkness, a collection of unanswered questions that have lingered over the years. So grab your headphones and lock your doors, and prepare to enter a world where the truth has invaded justice. It's a cold January 9th in 1985. A young mother named Barb Frame sets off for what she believes is an urgent appointment with her divorce lawyer. Little does she know, this meeting will forever alter the course of her life. As Barb steps out into that wintry wind, her recently ex-husband trails behind her. But here's where things take a dark turn. Barb disappears without a trace, leaving loved ones and authorities baffled. That night, Kathy, Barb's eldest, was she worried as she put her siblings to bed because she knew something was terribly wrong. Fast forward to the next morning, a shocking discovery is made. Barb's sister, Evelyn, finds Barb's car parked in an unusual spot near her workplace on Linden Avenue. It's really freaky because she always parks in that lot at Jocko's Bar, but always in her usual place, never where the car was found. It's disturbing, and it sparks panic. Why would she leave her vehicle behind? And where could she possibly be? At United Technologies, isn't that right across the street from Jocko's, Christy? Yes, it is. Exactly, it is. And that's where she worked, was at the factory, United Technology. It's no longer standing. They tore that down. But Jocko's is still there. It's not open. And we will have pictures of those on our Facebook. So they understood that something's not right. Barb's family and friends knew her all too well and were certain she would never willingly leave her children and her dying mother. All fingers start pointing in one direction the ex-husband. He's the one who came to her new house and informed Barb about the lawyer appointment because her phone hadn't been hooked up yet. Later, the disturbing truth is there was never a lawyer's meeting. And Barb's purse and coat was left behind in the car, and that troubled Evelyn. It's completely out of character for Barb to abandon her belongings or her children. Let me get this straight, Christy. There was never a lawyer's meeting that night, and she left her purse and her coat in her car? What woman would leave her coat behind at the end of January when it was cold? And if a woman takes her purse, she usually wind up carrying it, not leaving behind, correct? 
That's good points, Georgina. Those are really excellent points. Exactly. It was in January. You take your, she put her coat on, so she wanted her coat with her, and she, oh, you're exactly right. As a woman, we know we take our purse for a reason. It has our ID in it, you know, different things like that. Exactly. Sure. Now, the fact that these items were left behind, of course, adds another layer of mystery to her disappearance. So I do want to talk about Barb's gentle spirit and how it won the hearts of everyone she met. Her selfless love for her family and friends, that made her the go-to person in her tight-knit community. She was that reliable friend who'd lend a shoulder to cry on or lend a listening ear whenever you just needed to vent. Wouldn't we all wish to have a friend like Barb? Kind and caring, always putting others first. Despite her being in a difficult marriage, as told, she had always found peace in the outdoors, that she loved nature. Have you heard that? That's what we heard. Yes, Mom, that's what we heard about her, too. She's just, you know, your average, not to make that sound bad, but, you know, your average American woman. She was actively involved in her community. She served as a PTA president at the Munson Elementary. And this is so cool. She even volunteered one time at the school, and she dressed up as a funny clown. Oh, that is a cool mom. Yeah, right? Yeah. Barb's warmth and playful nature was not just two children, but everyone that she encountered got it. After her divorce, she found comfort in unwinding at Jocko's bar. Now, if you remember, that's where her car was found. And that's where she always parked when she went to work. Um, and she went there to engage in friendly games of pool, creating fond memories with her coworkers. But then enters Jeff Rain, her ex, a man with a troubling history of abuse and a lengthy rap sheet. He's no stranger to law enforcement, making him a prime person of interest in Barb's disappearance. But we know without solid evidence, the investigation hits a frustrating roadblock. From what we've gathered, allegedly his anger wasn't just a passing phase. It was, and still is, a defining aspect of his personality. The abuse Barb endured wasn't just physical. It was a consistent psychological scarring experience, and that's according to court records. Right, and different kinds of abuse. There's physical, psychological, isolation, domestic violence is rampant, and when you get into these situations, it's very difficult to get out of them. They usually overlap one another, and when you're suffering from this, it's difficult to deal with them. You're absolutely right. It's just not one. It's it's very it varies among them, and it's heartbreaking because they're tactics, and these various tactics become a trap, and it's like a cycle just goes around and around of fear and isolation. And witnesses say his abusive personality spilled over to reflect a long criminal background, and that's that's normal. It's usually how it happens. It's not just a couple of incidents, and I'm really serious here. We're talking over a hundred convictions, and yes, I counted them. And that's only in our community here. From petty theft to violent confrontations, his encounters with the law does paint a traveling picture of his character. Plus, he has quite a rap sheet in neighboring towns. I did research a little bit on that. He's, he was just a dark cloud hanging over her life. And then, poof, he vanished, too. Well, not vanished, vanished, but he cut ties with Barb's family and friends, never showed up or reached out to the family ever again. 
I mean, for a guy who was always around, that's mighty suspicious um, that he disappeared like that himself, don't you think, Georgina? Yes, I do find that suspicious when one changes their pattern of behavior. It certainly can be a red flag for suspicion. And we aren't slandering Frank. We will have on our Facebook group his divorce papers where the court granted Barb her divorce on the grounds of cruelty. And poor Barb, even after she broke free from this marriage, her daughter explains the guy did not back off the threats, the relentless pursuit. It was like a dark cloud, as you said, hanging over her every day until she just vanished into thin air on that cold night. Exactly. Think about it. She'd endured this for four years before finally she divorced him on December 14th, 1984. But here, listen, even when the papers were signed, Frame didn't let up. He'd show up at her place trying to worm his way back into her life, um, despite what Kathy and Evelyn's warnings were. Um, and listen, just six weeks after their divorce, Barb was gone. Very suspicious. There again, that change in behavior is red flags. Yeah, exactly, exactly, red flags. Now, Kathy, the oldest, and her siblings, they've shared their bone-chilling encounters of frame stalking. It's like this guy escalated his creepy behavior after the divorce, too. He, he moved closer to the family, really stepping up the whole psycho ex game. And, you know, we've been in a situation like Barb's mom, you know that. At just 14, my mom, my sister, and I, we finally got out of the same terrifying situation. I remember the constant stalking, the pounding on the doors and the windows, just begging to be let in, and then the anger and the threats would follow. The fear never seemed to fade away. Yes, Christy, we can certainly relate. We can look at this from experience, and it's a very scary situation to be in. Very difficult one to escape from once you're always in a survival mode, not knowing what's coming next. And then you think about it every day, how to escape and get away from it. Yeah, the survival mode. I'm glad you keyed on that because, unfortunately, and it's sick and sad, but our survival mode becomes our normal mode. And that is exactly. Yeah, that's where the, the, the um, what do I want, the trauma. That's where the trauma is. Exactly. Yes, and sadly, the experience of Barb's family and ours is way far too common. To live in constant fear like we talked about and trying to hide that terror, it was, it's just gut-wrenching. And there are stats about domestic violence, and they're staggering. Around 75% of women killed by their abusers were trying to leave or had left an abusive relationship. And approximately 20 people faced physical abuse by an intimate partner every minute in the U.S. Now, that's a harsh reality. And that's why it's essential to focus on the facts of this case and where they lead you. Correct. Very good. And as we continue to investigate uh, Barb's case, let's take a moment to consider other motives. Let's do that. Now, understanding someone's motives, that often peels back some intriguing layers that can give us insights into the puzzling situation. So let's dive into some potential motives that might help unravel this mystery. But first...
Okay, we're back. And I just want to put in a disclaimer here, guys, that um, we give you the tools. We give you information. We are not professionals, though. We do not hold any credentials. We encourage you to take the information, take the tools on our Facebook group, and do your own research. Okay, we're going to dive into different motives that might connect to this case. First off, the financial angle. Now, this is huge. Bartlett, Mom, you mentioned this earlier. Barb's departure might have hit Frame hard, especially with child support in the mix. This could have stirred up some frustration or resentment in him seeing her get along without him. Absolutely. Um, next, the whole idea of control, too. Barb leaving might have felt like he was losing grip over the situation. Losing that control may have pushed him to want to regain that dominance, you know. Exactly. And what about jealousy? The little green-eyed monster. Really? I dealt with jealousy in my past. And seeing Barb move on might have sparked that in him. And you know how feelings, oh, that can just mess with a person's head. Oh, yes. And, of course, revenge can be a strong motivator. The divorce itself may have felt like betrayal, leading to a desire to get back at Barb for leaving him. Kathy said he was always showing up uninvited, begging for Barb to get back with him. Very true. And lastly, let's listen. Let's think about the whole issue of control again. This might have been a big thing for him. You know, people were in control, narcissists. Barb leaving might have felt like just a complete loss of control of his life surroundings. Uh, this could just been really freaked him out. Um, true. Let's look at another angle, though. Yes, Christy, I'm thinking about accomplices. Have we looked into that correctly yet? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Hopefully, we'll chat with folks who knew the ex-husband, part you know, part of his crew, or anyone who might have glimpsed of what he was up to around that time. Then um, these conversations could give us clues. So if you do know Frame or you knew him back there, please reach out to us. Uh, the details could, you know, maybe bring something to Barb's case. So please, please join our Facebook group where you can follow the case, and you can look at the records or documents that we come across. Now let's shift to when Frame took two polygraph tests. They aren't foolproof. You know that, Mom. Two inclusive tests doesn't give us any solid evidence, but they do raise some interesting questions. Um, Georgina, do you think Frame's drug use could be a factor or even maybe nerves played a role? A good point. Yes, absolutely. Any drug in the system, whether it's prescription or non-prescription, can alter the nervous system, and it can change the blood pressure, the heart rate, respirations, increased nervousness. All of these factors are taken into consideration when you're taking a polygraph test. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a lot. When manipulating a polygraph test, maybe he tried that, it might sound intriguing, but it is discouraged, and we discourage it, and sometimes in some places it can be legal. Uh, and there's even some weird tricks out there, but trust me, it's best to avoid them. Courts are now being really strict of, yeah, about using their own appointed examiners anyways instead of external websites. Um, I mean, imagine being in a hot seat for a polygraph test. Like, do you remember the suitcase murder trial, Mom? I remember it vaguely. Um, I remember that she requested some information that triggered some red flags, I believe. 
Yes, it was on Court TV, which I'm a big fan, shout out. And it was called The Suitcase Murder Trial. Stepmom killed the son, the stepson, and she, they, her husband was wanting her to pass a polygraph test. She said she would. They're in different states. She went supposedly and got one done. Well, what she really did was get on a website. It was supposedly for gags. And, you know, this is a, a fun thing to do and, and prank your friends. And she got on there and red flagged came up when she started talking about burying bodies and blood and, and that just red flagged them. So she got caught. But I, I just couldn't believe somebody would do something. Like so you don't talk about you don't request, I'm sorry, Christy, you don't request information that the murderer would only know? <laughs> exactly. That's okay. what I'm trying to tell you, folks. Exactly. <laughs> if anyone has been through this, um, Mom, have you taken a lie detector's test before? Oh, Christy, I'll take the fifth on that. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk after the show, okay? <laughs> if anyone has been through this out there, listeners, please share your experiences, since my mom isn't going to right now. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it on the Facebook group. We'd love to hear about that, really. That's got to be interesting. Okay, speculating about Bard's disappearance isn't easy. We've tried to stick to the facts, and we really are trying to avoid zeroing in on one person. So, here are several theories that have led us nowhere. Yes. Um, we are regarding, you know, theories regarding Barb's disappearance, other than her ex-husband, too. And these are rumors and theories that have come up that she may have been taken against her will. And this is rare for adults, because usually it's family members that are involved in these kidnappings. Stranger abductions of adults are not common, with only 28% done by such strangers, according to the FBI. Now, some think Barb may have pretended to vanish to start a new life, or that she faked her experience or disappearance to escape the situation she was living in her life. And there may have been drugs involved. Um, there's other theories that there was a serial killer maybe in the area. None of that has ever come to light. The drugs, Jeff was involved in drugs. There's nothing that shows that Barb was ever involved in that. She may have been targeted and taken mistaken identity. Of course, those all have to be investigated by the legal authorities. But these different ideas have not come up with these theories being proved with anything, Christy. And everything has to be taken into consideration, of course. But the main goal is to find out what really happened and bring closure to this unresolved case for the family. Are you leaning toward any specific theory? I'm not. Um, and I, I'm glad you went through all those like you did because that, that's very true. Um, I am really like I like that um, because, we again, we want to be fair. We really do. We don't want to just point a finger. Uh, I'm personally still leaning toward the ex-husband just because – being the last person supposedly with her or seeing her, he did tell her, Kathy, the daughter, heard him say to Barb there was an attorney's meeting, which there wasn't. Um, you know, just so many things. So I'm right now until something else comes up, I'm going to I'm gonna go down that road. So yeah, he's still the – I'm sorry, Chris. He is still definitely a person of interest. 
Yes, definitely our personal interest. Yes. So this left Barb's fa uh, family fractured, leaving her children's future uncertain. Now, with no official teams, search teams back in 85, the family and friends, they had to rely on their own efforts. Despite tireless efforts, like Ernest, Barb's brother, he distributed flyers and videos himself. And this is so cool. He put flyers and pictures of Barb all over his car, like pasted them all over his wow. car of his missing sister. I know, breaks my heart. Um, he even sent them down south through the mail to friends and family to distribute in case she was kidnapped. They said, you know, yeah. don't ever stop looking for her. Now, we do understand that Barb's ex did not participate to my understanding, and any of the searches or help in any way to find his ex-wife after her disappearance. Isn't that correct also? That is so correct, Georgina. The family was never contacted by or helped by Frame at any time afterwards. I think that's a red flag that the ex doesn't help in the search of any type. A search and rescue operation for someone like Barb today involves a long list, including like assessments of the situation, collaborations with others, uh, strategic searches. Uh, now we have resources like drones and, of course, the big yes. volunteers. Uh, they, and they prioritize her risk, any safety measures, and ongoing investigations. And, of course, the biggest thing is support for the family. There's a lot right. that happens today compared to what wasn't happening back then. And for anybody that is interested in search and rescue, uh, we do have local ones around here. So join our Facebook group, and we have information about the organizations and ways to join. And I know you have gained information in the technology from then what it is today, too, and I commend you on educating yourself there. But as we have looked at the different public memorials and initiatives that have honored Barb's memory, and there have been several in the recent past, her daughter swears to keep her mother's name in the public spotlight so the community remains engaged and supportive of efforts to keep her memory alive. And I commend the family for doing this also, and I wish them the best of all support. And I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Well, that's so sad for them year after year. Time goes by without answers. Um, and, and in terms of recent developments in this case, uh, we don't know if there have been any significant breakthroughs. However, volunteer groups and individuals have constantly kept the case active. And they do this by sharing information on social media. Um, they organize discussions to keep the public aware. And occasionally there are, uh, they do connect, conduct small-scale searches to raise awareness about mm -hmm. Barb. Her daughter, Kathy Hubber, has a Facebook group, and it's called Help Find Barbara Fame. Please go there and join today, and you'll see uh, different pictures, and it tells more about Barb. The case remains an open investigation, and authorities do continue to encourage anyone with any small details to come forward, stressing the importance of a community. That means all of us. We are a community. Yeah. Our involvement in finding answers regarding Barb's disappearance. Okay, so in this episode, we dove into the case of Barb Frame, a devoted mother whose sudden disappearance left her loved ones and authorities scratching their heads. We explored the strange circumstances surrounding her disappearance. 
We've learned about her ex-husband's domestic violence and shady activities. But where is he now, and what's he up to? We do know where he is, his whereabouts are today. He's incarcerated at the Madison Correctional Institution for one count of burglary and one count of possession of drugs, and he's serving five to seven and a half years. And we're wondering if he'll ever reply to our many requests for an interview. Stay tuned for updates. In our next episode, we're diving deeper into this case. Join us as we sit down with the psychic, Amanda Newberry, and we conduct an insightful interview with Kathy, Bard's daughter, in our relentless quest for answers. Wow, that sounds like it's going to be a very interesting uh, interview, and I'm certainly looking forward to that episode. Well, thank you. Expect more twists and turns as we continue to unravel this case. So stay tuned for our upcoming episode with hopefully new clues that might unlock the truth. And Mom, I really too want to thank you for joining the show today and for your help in this project. And I'm hoping that you're going to come back and visit us again. Hey, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. And yes, I would uh, definitely enjoy being invited again. Thank you. Okay, you folks heard that. We're going to hold her to that. Okay, that's it for this episode of Death, Lies, and Alibis. We hope that by shining a light on these local crimes, we have sparked something within you, our listeners. Because the truth is, solving these cases will take more than just our words. It's going to require the dedication and collective efforts of our entire community. Don't forget to hit the follow button on the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. To learn more about how to get your case featured on the show or to get instant access to case files and reports plus documents and many free resources, go to our Facebook group, Death, Lies, and Alibis, and join today. Or you can email us at deathliesalibis at gmail.com. And as always, folks, stay alert, be safe, and never stop seeking justice.